Sunday evening. Music means that it is time again for Riasis here every Sunday night from 7 until 8 o'clock. And Kathy Laura, would you like to tell us who our guest is this evening? We have as our guest actually a reoccurring guest. So uh, we have Guadalupe Flores, who uh, was here when um, I believe uh, Dr. Juarez was here and, um, uh, and the Rivera. Rivera. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were here and they were talking about the cleanup over at San Pedro Cemetery. And I that's coming up again, right? Y'all, yes, we have uh-huh. another cleanup uh-huh. at San we have Pedro. Another cleanup. Is so that next for, month or on the, uh, first Saturday of the month? First Saturday. Just, uh-huh. So um, yeah, may, uh, at our next uh, radio show, we'll go ahead and talk about about the cleanup. But uh, Guadalupe um, is known here in San Marcos because she was an employee over at HEB. So most people probably know her as Loopy. And uh, she had a 40-year run with HEB. <laughs> and um, we're going to invite her back because we're going to have a panel of women that work for HEB. And we're going to discuss um, employment at HEB and uh, the, the, the good things that came from HEB coming to San Marcos and some of the things that were not so good. But <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll have that conversation at, at a later date. But uh, we're here to talk about uh, genealogy today. And um, as you know... Um, I always get excited when I have people that, that come to the show and we talk about where they come from, how they ended up here in, yeah. in, in this city. And uh, I haven't had anybody, with the exception of Ronnie, Ronnie Mendez, okay. who has come to the show and said that he can trace his ancestry back to, the, to San Antonio. And to, he's a descendant of the Canary Islanders. Uh-huh. And so they've been in the San Antonio area for quite some time. And um, I've had um, Priscilla Delgado Hermiller on the show. And, of course, she uh, traces back to the Porciones, but she didn't really have a, a lot of information since primarily they grew up in the Cal area with their Silvera relatives. Mm-hmm. But you come from the descendants of the Porciones on, on two different sides, and so we're going to touch up a little bit on, on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give um, you a... a some time to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Guadalupe Flores. I was raised here in San Marcos, but I, I was born in, actually in, uh, in Colorado, <laughs> but we moved down and I've been here ever since. So uh, mostly I've been involved with this cemetery project of cleaning. And uh, I like to do a lot of genealogy information on a lot of our history or our family and my, my mother and my father's side of the family. So it is real interesting, and I love to do things like that, take pictures and do whatever I can to really keep the history going because it is really interesting when you get to know all what your history is really about. Your relatives, you get to know relatives, and they tell you some info about your history on your family side or my father's side, whichever family it is. I, I get a lot of info sometimes, and people tell me so much. And I, I like that. I really kind of just get little scratch books and say, start writing things down so that I can really try to not forget what I've, what I've been told by some people that really know the history around here. But you're a walking, walking encyclopedia of your family history, and you also not only have that, but you also have documentation and photos, and you have a, yes. a, a very large um, collection of, of photos. Right, a large, too much, <laughs> too many photos. <laughs> People tell me that I have too many photos, and I still have some in my phones. In my cell phone, I have a whole bunch that I haven't 
de develop yet. So it's a, it's a lot of history that I have in film, and especially in pictures. You know, I love to, to collect pictures of my family and everything where I can do. I do it. Oh, well, and you also have newspaper clippings because yes. we had a conversation prior yes. um, to coming here, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on okay. in, in the show. But go ahead and tell me, um, I know when you started your journey on uh, looking for information on your uh, father's family side that you took a trip to San Diego. Yes. And, and we ended up uh, San Diego, and then we went to Benavides. Benavides was actually the the town that uh, my grandfather Florencio really lived in, in Benavides. And so they always, you know, went to the other the other cities that was around there in Benavides. But actually, they migrated from Mirtamaulipas to Benavides, and so that's where uh, the the family started their their history there in, in Benavides. Uh, we we went. To visit in 2001, we visited uh, Benavides and we came to talk to a lot of people there in Benavides, and they really gave us a lot of information on on the people that they knew on my fa on my grandfather's side. So it was really a lot of history that I didn't I really didn't think I was ever going to get because I figured maybe the you know the people there weren't going to be very friendly, but they were really asking a lot of the questions about. How you related to the Floreses and stuff like this and all, and it was just a uh, kind of a a surprise for me because I just love to hear stories about anything they would, you know, tell about. So that was one thing I enjoyed about that trip when I went to Benavides. So it was really something. <laughs> so how how big is the the town of Benavides? Was it a very big place or a small place? No, or? it's a small place. It's a very small little town because I remember the the church that Grandpa was. Uh, was baptized in was a small church, a very old church. And so, tell us the name of your of your grandfather. My grandfather was named Florencio Flores. And um, you told me that you were fairly, I guess, were you like a teenager when you first met him, or? I was about ten years old when I met him. When he, we we my parents lived in Comanche Street. And that's where uh, my grandfather came to visit us, and I didn't know who he was uh, until he came knocking on the door, and, and I asked my dad, my dad, I said, there's somebody at the door. And he said, well, who is it? And I said, well, he won't give me his name. So my dad comes to the door, and he says, that is my dad. That is my father. And so I said, oh, my God, I didn't know I had a grandfather. <laughs> but it was such an unusual reunion with him because he had blue eyes, and it just kind of, astounded me because I never had a grandfather with blue eyes, you know, and it was just something new for me. So it was a, it was a surprise. So, so when you first saw him and, 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 and what was your first reaction? Did you think he was Mexican like you or Hispanic or? I didn't think he was Mexican. I just saw his blue eyes and I said, this must be a white man. <laughs> Because he was, he was not of very dark. Because I was just 10 years old, you know. You didn't know what to say about people like that. But he wasn't very dark in complexion. No, I'm no, he was light, very light complexion. Very light complexion. <laughs> so he was a real handsome man. Yeah. Uh, at the time that I, I remember him, I was only 10 years old when I met him. And it was the first time. And sometimes you think you don't remember things like that. But when you're young, you sort of, your mind kind of locks into situations like that. It's amazing, amazing the mm -hmm. things that, that you do remember. Uh -huh. We, we snap pictures. You know, it's, uh, we snap pictures. 
you know, in our minds mm-hmm. as kids. And yeah. those th- stay with you. Yeah, they do. Especially they do. when you retell funny stories like that, too. Yeah. My father would always talk about my grandfather, Florencio, and he's, that was my father. He lived over there in, in, in Benavides, and they lived in a ranch where they finally uh, did a lot of cattle, cattle in, you know, where they had a cattle drive all the way to Lockhart, which mm-hmm. that was the last cattle drive that he, uh, him, him and my grandmother got separated, I guess, because he came to live in uh, one side of uh, Lockhart, and that's where they brought the cattle out there. <laughs> but that was an unusual thing. I had never heard anything mm-hmm. like that until so, that day. So, yeah, one of the last cattle drives, because he was born, your grandfather was born, was like in the 1800s, 1880? Mm, I don't really remember the, I guess, being a, as young as I I've never really looked into the documentation of my grandfather, but I know that he was, he was a handsome man. So I remember at 10 years old, that's all I could remember was my grandfather being a handsome man. <laughs> and so you went to, to Benavides and then you went to San Diego. What was your impression of San Diego when you went there? Well, at first I, I saw a lot of Spanish people there. There wasn't very many, uh, at the time that we went, it wasn't very many white people there. It was just men. But then, like I said, we got, we got to talking to a lot of Spanish people in, in these uh, offices where we went to look for documentation and stuff. So they were real friendly about that. We got a lot of, uh, there were some places we couldn't get anything. They would, they would give us the info, but they, will not let, they would not let us take pictures or anything. So finally we went back to Benavides. Benavides was uh, then, we ended up getting a lot of more information in cemeteries and at the church where my grandfather was baptized and where, and where he married also. So it, it was just an interesting thing that I, I learned while I was there, you know. But I wish I could have gone back and learned more, a little bit more. <laughs> and then you also went to Mier, Mexico, right? Did Did you go to Mier? No, my my daughter was the one that went. She was the one that went, and she she was fascinated about that place, and she took pictures, and I have pictures in my photo album about Mitamablipas. That's where the you know the city was. So, and it's from the descriptions that she gives and the pictures that I have seems like they were very clean people. The city was always clean. Uh, you, even You can see it in the pictures where they, they always kept the city clean. So yeah. in the photo that you have, I'm going to assume it, it's probably like all the, the Spanish town, uh, towns like that where mm-hmm. they have like a church and then yeah. they would have maybe a town hall and then what they would call like their... They had like a, a, a Like park, a square. A right, t- yeah, yeah, a square where people would gather or have events there. And the church was right there, right in front of the... the the, uh, the place where they had the events and stuff. So it was really, if uh, you can see it in the pictures uh, of, on that, on that uh, little town, on Mirtamablipa. So it was, it was kind of unusual. When I started looking at those pictures, I was really amazed by them. But it, it is a, a beautiful town, the way they kept it clean and everything, you know. And um, I showed you this book that my friend Clementina Peterson gave me. And it's called the, the Mir Church Padrones, mm-hmm. and it's from 1820 to 1826. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I went, I went through this book, and your ancestors, both on both sides of both your, your, your father's mother and his father's, are in, in, in this book from, in, from 1820 to 1826. And it's amazing how, what you can learn in a, in a six-year span of time mm-hmm. So you see um, them as they get married, mm-hmm. and you see them as they're having children, and you're seeing uh, a wife 
no longer in the next year's um, uh, padron, or you see an addition of another child, or you see a child who has who has passed on, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's it, it's quite interesting what you find in, in the six years. Yeah. So in in the mere padrones are your Flores family, mm-hmm. and your Vela family, and yeah. your Ponce family. Yes. And um, yes. it's it's quite interesting the history that you have you have mm-hmm. there because this is from 1820 to 1826, but they go further back to they, they go further back to the porciones mm-hmm. which were um, done in in 1749. So they've been on the Texas side of the Rio Grande since 1749 1750. Mm-hmm. And and they settle in the towns yeah. of of uh, Mir and Camargo, and mm-hmm. so you have quite a very fascinating history. You don't you don't get any more Six Flags of Texas than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so so I you know I I think when you look at that you know you go back and you you can count you, the generations that have been here. So mm-hmm. your ancestors were here when they were under the Spanish mm-hmm. crown. And they were here under the, the the Mexican government, under the Texas Republic, and now here in the United the United States of America. And so you know you you hear a lot of people that are very proud of that um, that genealogy that they have of, of being what what we what some people call Texans, but what mm-hmm. your ancestors were called Tejanos. <laughs> so it's 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 quite a legacy. So yeah, you you pretty much are my my first person in the two years that I've been doing this. That, that actually traces back to, to the Porciones. Mm. It's a long back history of yeah. everything. So I think we're ready yeah, for... Let's take this and you're listening to Rices here on KZSM, KZSM.org, KZSM, LPFM, 104.1, San Marcos, Texas, and the views expressed on the show. Those are the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTXCRA. We're going to be right back with you. Mm, no sé. Dime. Es que, bueno, no sé cómo decirlo. A veces me siento perdida. Cuando tus niños no encuentren las palabras, ayúdalos a encontrar la canción. Escucha el álbum Sound It Out y obtén consejos y herramientas para empezar una conversación en escuchandosentimientos.org. Un mensaje de Ad Council y Pivotal Ventures. Join me at Heartbeats and Echoes at 10 o'clock on Wednesday while we explore the world looking for the echoes of the heartbeat of Mother Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, y toda mi gente, my name is Josh, also known as DJ Alpha in the mix, and I am the host of the Latin Energy Show on KZSM San Marcos. I'm inviting everyone to tune in every Thursday evening and join the Latin Energy Party. Here on KZSM.org, we are all about community support. So tune in online or download the KZSM app on your mobile device. Shout outs and requests, make sure to follow and tag us on Facebook at Latin Energy Show KZSM. Tu sabes. Hola. 
Si tiene ganas de escuchar música en español, júntense conmigo cada domingo a las 8 de la noche por Música con Ganas aquí con el tío en su radio comunidad. Compartiré con ustedes poesías, música de mi juventud, música contemporánea y ojalá música que le dé cálidos memorias. Cada domingo a las 8 de la noche aquí en su verdadero radio comunidad KZSM. Music and Guinness will be up right after Rice is here this evening. Kathy, let's take the show back to you. So um, I wanted to ask you about um, your your family there in in San Diego. Did um, your your father's father? They left there very very early. They didn't stay. Mm. There are a lot of family mm. members that stayed there, but this particular family left. Yes. And it ended up here in in, mm. in the Lockhart San Marcos area. Right. Um, I'm going to assume that they never really made it back home quite often. No. I have a, a documentation where it says that, that the year they they came from that place from Benavides when they came down to migrate to Lockhart. So th that must have been like in the early 1900s? I'm not really or? sure, but the documentation that I have has the date in which they migrated out this way. And it was back real early. I don't know, maybe in, I, I couldn't say exactly because I think I was kind of young when all that happened. Okay. But. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they, they, they came here, the, the, the Floresses came here, and mm -hmm. I know you told me that you had done some research and you had found a sister that was living in Lockhart that had stayed there married in Espinosa? Yes. No, it was him. The, he was a cousin of my dad. Oh, okay. And his last name was Espinosa. And he married uh, a lady named uh, Adelita. That was her name. But, I don't but, remember her maiden name, but she was... Uh, okay, but your cousin was the one that was in the newspaper? Is that, yes, uh -huh. is that the one you're talking about? Uh -huh. but, but his father, but his mother was a florist. Yes. Yes. And in fact, the, no, his mother and his, his father was a, a different last name. And in fact, it's in the documentation. His father was a Spinoza. Uh-huh. But his yeah. mother was a florist, and uh -huh. she was sister to your grandfather. Yeah. She was my, my grandfather's sister. So, so that Flores family stayed in the Lockhart area. Right. Uh -huh. But then your your grandfather moved into, um, they stayed in Lockhart, or did they up come to, to San Marcos? Up, up to a point, my grandfather lived there until the time that he got married with this lady from, from Austin, Texas, and that was, I don't remember what year it was. There's a lot of documentation that I, that we went to research it at the Austin Library, and uh, it's that real early. I don't remember, but it, that's where she when he moved there, he started living in on Holly Street. That's where he lived with. So there family. was there was a divorce between your your grandfather and your grandmother. Yeah. yeah. So um, your your grandfather and your grandmother now are are divorced. Your your grandmother has been left with um, a lot of children. <laughs> that's right. So probably about um, seven, maybe. So oh. it was it was uh, your dad. Yeah. And um, well, I can't remember. It was maybe about Nick. Nick. It was. It was. Um, Vincent. It was um, my dad. Felix. Felix. Felix was the oldest, and my dad was the second one. And then uh, uh, Theo uh, Chiquitin and Vincent. Uh huh. And then and Nick. Uh, and Nick. And then Benino. Uh huh. And then my dad. And then your dad's and sisters. My, uh, both of my dad's sisters. Three sisters. 
Which were Encarnacion? Encarnacion and uh, Josefa Perez and uh, Virginia Treviño Navarro, whatever. She, went by. she had about five she different was, names. She married so many times that I couldn't remember all her last names. Treviño, last one. <laughs> but it was kind of unusual when uh, all that came back when they lived there in Lockhart. And that's how we got to meet a lot of relatives there in Lockhart. Of course, I was always taking, driving my family around, my dad and my, my mom, because my dad would say, come on, sweetheart, take us out to visit this cousin of ours. And uh, my mom said, well, she had relatives on her side, and my dad had his relatives there too. So we would visit so many houses that I, I was like, okay, who's this and who's who? <laughs> but it was, it was interesting because I got to learn a lot of the history of, of all the relatives on my father's side and my mother's side. And that you can remember those right now. I'm, I'm watching you go back and remember all of these. Tio, was it Chicharron? What was that? What did you say that a minute ago? The, the one uncle? Chiquitín. Oh, Chiquitín. <laughs> was that his nickname? Yes. It's short, short for Vicente, because his uh, name was Vicente. Vicente, okay. I just, that was... they, just went, they just called him that. Everybody around this neighborhood in, in San Marcos would call him Chiquitín. <laughs> well, we, we talk about that uh, on the show a lot, about the names, the nicknames that different people have. And when I hear that, I'm always fascinated yeah. that, well, that, that's what we called him. Well, back in the good old days, people gave nicknames to a lot of people. My, my, my dad's nickname was, uh, he was a mechanic, and, and they would call him Cisco. Okay. And uh, that name stayed on with him all the time. Here comes Cisco. He's a mechanic. <laughs> and where where did he get Cisco from? It just I just I guess people just started calling him that. They yeah. they couldn't remember his name, so they would just call him whatever came into their head, I guess. And and he they that nickname started stayed with him for a while, you know. And so every time they would come and have uh, you know work done in his cars or anything. They would call him, hey, Cisco, are you a mechanic or something, you know? And my dad would say, I guess so. And he, could, he says, but my name is not Cisco, but that's my name. But not everybody calls me that. And it just, they know me. It just it. stayed, so everybody knew. And, and your grandmother, your, your father's mother, her name was Salustiano mm -hmm. Estrada. Estrada. But I found a really interesting thing about, about her family, too, is that... Um, they were here pre-Mexican Revolution, too. So, um, Celestiana's mother, her name was Isabel Zuniga. Yeah. And um, she um, was already in, in, in uh, it looked like it's Cameron County, Milam, Texas. And she had, uh, was married to a gentleman by the name of Juan Samudio and had her first daughter named Lucinda in July of 1888. Oh my God. So they're here in Texas already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, she um, ended up in, in another marriage with a gentleman whose last name was Estrada. Mm -hmm. And uh, your grandmother, Isabel, through this marriage, had your grandmother named Salustiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, your grandmother, Salustiana, by 1930, is living in the Dunbar neighborhood. Right. And um, she raised her children there in the Dunbar neighborhood. Right, yeah. And, and we talk a lot about, about the Dunbar neighborhood. And I, I think that I read that the Dunbar neighborhood was established sometime around um, 1868, 69. Mm. 
Okay. And so it's it's about that time that 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 became uh, the the Dunbar area, and we know that there are a lot of um, African American yeah. families living in that area. Yeah. yeah but if we look at that too, we talk about the gentrification because I'm going to assume that there weren't many Hispanic families living in that area at that time. Not in that area because they they had the 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 colored people's school there, mm -hmm. Dunbar called Dunbar. So if all the colored children that lived in that area went to school there. And then finally, they just after a certain year, they all migrated to the regular regular schools mm -hmm. that they had. So. But we know that that your grandmother's living in the Dunbar area uh, by 1930, and she's raising her children there. Mm -hmm. And um, she uh, remarries. Yeah. And she married a, a gentleman. Uh, his name was Dimas Espinosa. Dimas Espinosa. Mm -hmm. And. He comes from the Espinosas, and his sister-in-law was um, Pauline Espinosa. Espinosa. She's and the lady that had the grocery store down okay. on Guadalupe Street. And now she has the activity center named mm -hmm. after her. Mm -hmm. So so Pauline Espinosa becomes sister-in-law to your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And your grandmother's employed by Pauline or? No, my grandfather was your gra the, one that, okay. uh -huh, the one that was uh, employed by her because they were like a, the man was his brother. Okay, so Mr. Pauline's husband's brother. So Pauline's husband was uh, my okay. grandfather's brother. Okay, and so Demas now is married to your grandmother, mm -hmm. and he's helping raise, uh, raise her children. Mm -hmm. Right. That most of the children were staying there at that LBJ Street, where that restaurant, Spanish restaurant, is right next door. And they stayed in that blue house. Where the, so that's street. on the that that house is on the mm -hmm. corner of Shady Street mm -hmm. and uh, MLK now. Mm -hmm. It's a blue house that's yeah. there, right. and it's still occupied by an Espinosa. Is that correct? Right. Uh -huh. One of the nephews. Okay. But that uh, that's the house that your grandmother lived in. Yes. With with yeah. her husband. Yes. Okay. So so I, I I you know we talk a lot about gentrification, but now here we have 1930, the African American <laughs> neighborhood being being gentrified by the Hispanics that are now moving yeah. in. Yeah. Into Dunbar. <laughs> it was kind of unusual having to live in a neighborhood with a lot of colored people because, but they were a lot friendlier than what uh, the other people that moved into that area. So we were we were we were kind of happy because they were real friendly towards us, and of course they knew my dad really well. So we got to know all the kids. But, th but this there. is this is a, li a, li a little after, right? Because your mm -hmm. your your grandmother. Um, was close to Mr. Cephas, right? So they were mm -hmm. almost neighbors because I think yeah. I saw the 1930 yeah. census. There, there was nobody there, so it was like Mr. Cephas and the, and and the livery, and then right. your grandmother. Right. And um, you had mentioned Sam, and was Sam was related to Mr. Cephas? Which Sam? Um, you said did he was a did he do horseshoe? Horse oh, shoe? that that was a color man uh -huh. that had. Uh, he lived right next door to where my grandmother and my grandpa lived, right mm -hmm. there. And on were that shady lanes or whatever. Right, shady. Uh -huh. Okay, that he he was he lived right next door. I see. And that's where he had his uh, horseshoe shop. Everybody would come and bring their horses and you know have their their shoes put on their horses and stuff. So he did all that. <laughs> and so I'm going to assume at one time while people were living there, they would find these horseshoes there and yeah. in, in that area. Yeah. After the after the man died, the, there was a lot of things that were found in that area and especially in that garage in the back that he had because his house was in the front and the garage was in the back and everybody would go through that alley to go to his uh, shop so have his horse 
horses she's put on. Did your father ever talk to you about what it was like growing up in the Dunbar neighborhood at that time? He hardly didn't talk, but he was. Uh, he said that most of the majority of the of the colored people were very friendly towards towards him. You know, because he never had problems with them. He became very friendly with them, and he said, "Man, we we got along pretty well, knowing that we were Hispanic and they were black." You know. But 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 I hear that a lot. <laughs> that um, that there was not a lot of animosity uh, within the 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 two different um, um, races that are now living yeah. there. That they, that they cohabited together very well? Not at that point when my dad lived there. It was, uh, like I said, pe all the, the people that lived around there were very friendly. Right. Uh, he never had problems with them, and they they always offered any kind of help. They, whenever we needed something or they needed something, we vice versa, you know, helped them out or they helped but us this out. But this know. is a little bit after. I guess we'll go into a station break, right. and then when we come back, we'll talk about when you guys moved into, into Dunbar permanently. And you're listening to Riases here on KZSM LPFM. Be right back with you. Están escuchando a KZSM 104.1 FM y también es streaming en el mundo en KZSM.org. Radio Comunidad en San Marcos, Texas, 78666. Aprovechense. <música> Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. Club of San Marcos hosts a Casino Night fundraiser on Friday, March 1st at 7 p.m. The event will be held at the Commemorative Air Force Museum at the San Marcos Airport. The museum houses a collection of World War II aircraft that are still airworthy. Tickets are $50 each and 75% of profits will be donated to CASA of Central Texas. Remaining funds will benefit other local charities. Email smtxrotary at gmail.com for more information about tickets, that is smtxrotary at gmail.com. Rotary Casino Night is a great opportunity to have fun, raise money for local charities, and enjoy a fascinating historical facility. See you there. Some of the events coming up in our area. If you have a public service announcement you would like us to get on, you can send a message on email to KZSM San Marcos at gmail.com and let us know about your event that's going to be coming up that we need to let everyone in the community know about. Kathy, let's get the show back to you. You had mentioned earlier that you were born in, in Colorado, and I'm going to assume that, you know, like most families of that time, that. Um, you probably were migrant migrant workers. They were migrant workers that went up to wherever they they found jobs. And um, was that a year-round thing, or was that uh, just a semi? Did I think it was mostly on the, the during the summertime when the crops were really getting started, and and right about before they, the, the about around September, everybody would come back home, and then of course we would start like uh, picking cotton in other areas here and. In, in San Marcos and uh, Fentress and all those little places, you know. And that's where 
that's where they would have to come back and, you know, find a job, either whichever they could find, you know, either picking cotton or just going to go somewhere and far off to go find better, uh, you know, pick some kind of fruit, vegetables that they did out in the field. So, because I was born in Colorado, <laughs> that's where I was born. <laughs> and I think my, my at that point, they, they were picking up some kind of vegetable that my mother would tell me about because I was, I didn't know very much about it, but that's what she would tell me, that that's the reason why they had gone that far to go and, and work there. So was your mother working in the fields during her pregnancy? No. No. After, uh, she, I think she only worked a couple of months, and then after that, my dad said no, that it was uh, was going to be a hard labor for her, so because I was a big baby. <laughs> so my mother just didn't find it when she did. When after she had me, uh, she said that at that point, people were stealing from people that migrant workers that went out there to work out there in the fields. And so my dad was told that, hey, it's best that when you get paid, get in your car, be at night, and take off. And don't look back. Because back then, there was a lot of people that were, uh, you know, prying on people that worked out in the fields and stealing their money. So that's what my father brought us to San Marcos at, at nighttime and everybody was like, okay, driving at nighttime was something else. My father my father said, well, that's the best thing that we can do because we don't want to be uh, hijacked. So te- yeah, so te- technically they're watching you and then they uh-huh. rob you on your right. way home. Uh-huh. That's what they did. So who would be the, who would it be that you were afraid of? Was it from just uh, general highwaymen? Was it other Hispanics? Was it no, Anglos? No, those people that really were, were like, didn't work, and they just wanted to get easy money, so okay. they would go, they would pry on these people that would that would working, and they say, okay, we've got to find out when when are they leaving, so that when they leave, well, we these can These are just the, the bad, them, the bad guys. Know? Yes, mm-hmm. it was just people that, that lived around that area that didn't work or something, <laughs> or something. So do you remember being out... Um, Traveling outside of the state to do migrant work with your parents when you when you were young, or no. had that stopped? After after my after I was born, we we came back to Texas, and I I never we never went back to work out in the fields like that. We used to go as far as Leveland or Whitthurl or uh, that other city, big city Lubbock. That's where we used to go. We used to uh, work on the fields with first they had the season on the cotton. Then they had the season where they had sweet potatoes and another season where they had the vegetables. So we, we did all kinds of work. And, and before you guys moved to the Dunbar neighborhood, where did y'all live? We lived on, um, on Center, no, it wasn't Center Street. It was... Um, oh, Post Office Alley. Post office, okay, yeah. so that's what you mentioned. No, no Post Office but Post Office Alley, but we lived right there on Comanche Street. Oh, Comanche, Comanche Street. Comanche. We lived, We moved uh, to Comanche Street. That's where I met my grandfather on Comanche Street. We lived in a big old house there in Comanche Street. So that part of Comanche Street that you lived on was not in the Dunbar neighborhood. So no. isn't that yeah. amazing how one street can separate yeah. so? Yeah. yeah. It's that LBJ Street that separated Dunbar from the, the town area because considered that, par- that part of town was considered half of the town because there was a Coca-Cola company. We lived right behind the Coca-Cola company. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was like an unusual <laughs> and so, rally. And so what year did, did your dad move y'all to, to Dunbar? to the Because y'all live next door to where the Hayes County Food Bank is. Mm-hmm. Now that's where, you, where, you, where your dad After my father lived. retired, mm-hmm. uh, he bought a trailer and he moved it out there. 
And so what year what year did you guys move into Dunbar at Oh around in the let's see I was already I think in the seventies. In the seventies. And so at that time were a lot were there a lot of Hispanic fam families already moving into no, the Dunbar? Not very many. There was only a few that I knew. Uh, we had a, a family that lived across the street, two families that lived across the street, and we were the only three Hispanics that lived in that area until then, like I said, they finally just started selling the properties from the the elderly that died, the colors, especially the colored people that died. They would the kids acquire, would sell, yeah, yeah. yeah, they would acquire the land and they would sell it. And of course, a lot of Spanish people would go into and buy in the properties of these people, you know, so. But yeah, we, it was, and back then, I, I think it, we were segregated or something like mm -hmm. that because the, the, the kids there went to that uh, Dunbar school. And then it was my, maybe around 1950 when they started going to the, to the high school. public mm -hmm. schools, you know. And that's when people, at first they weren't welcome at the, uh, the regular high, you know, schools like that because they didn't like the colored people. They just considered the white people and the Spanish. They, but you know, you said that now, and and a thought came to my head is that um, now here we are, we're, we're we're fighting for these rides to be included into these into these schools where everybody's going to, and and they they got that right, and now now they're going there. But that kind of really was the death now of the black school for Dunbar. Yes, I mean, so. It, it, and at that time, it wasn't any, no one thought about history or anything mm -hmm. else or preservation. It just sat around and abandoned, and uh, that it, mm -hmm. you know, with the integration, uh, that you know, we moved on. Yeah. And so your your dad made a lot of friends um, there in the neighborhood, and mm -hmm. I remember Mr. Calvin, yeah, um, who lived there on what LBJ, and he yeah. lived across the street from Dunbar, right and across the street from Maggie Dunbar. Maggie and Doug lived across in the corner. And then um, uh, the lady that worked for the for the uh, the health department, Peggy, uh -huh. she lived in the corner, about two houses from where we lived. And then, uh, of course, then there there was a preacher that used to come preach at that that church that was right across the street, where Peggy used to live. And he was really friendly. He would come and kind of wanted to preach to us, so he would come and stand out there, Mr. Flores. <laughs> And we would always say, "Okay, you better go stand out there, Dad, because he's trying to preach you something, something good." And and when I talk to people, a name that always comes up is Pumpkin. So did yeah. Pumpkin live in Dunbar with? She lived around in that area. In that area, uh -huh. and her dad, her dad lived in the Dunbar. I didn't. Or? I don't. I didn't know her dad. I only knew her sister. When her, she had a sister, and then to after that, I you know we lost track of her. She moved out towards uh, Richville oh. in a trailer park. I want to ask you, you talked about uh, him coming out and preaching to you, you know, and, and the minister. But did you still, even though you were in the Dunbar neighborhood, did you still go to separate churches or did you Yeah, we to, went to our churches. We yeah. went to the one up on the hill. The Catholic church? Uh -huh, the Catholic church. Yeah. And so I was just kind of curious, you know, if there was any mixing of the religions. You well, know, my, and my well. parents didn't think about it that way. Yeah. My parents always welcome any any preacher or anybody they wanted to, you know, preach to us about God and everything. So that, we just welcome everybody that came out there. <laughs> I guess that's why they always thought that my father was very friendly towards them. So he, they got attached to him. So they would, Mr. Flores, or well, how are you doing, Mr. Flores? And they would come out there and just 
sit around and talk to him, you know. Mm. And that was just his way of, you know, conversing with people there in that in that neighborhood. So he got real close to all these colored people that lived there. So. Go ahead. I just, uh, that was something came up in my mind. And I, I wanted to ask this question because I know your dad spent a lot of time at the river. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, on Sunday Sunday afternoons that he'd, he'd be somewhere. If he wasn't here at City Park, he'd be over at Five Mile Dam or over in Martindale. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember we would take this this ride. My dad <laughs> would put us in the car and we'd ride and he'd be, he'd be looking for your dad. <laughs> and and, and your, your dad was always fishing because your dad loved yeah. to fish. Yeah, he was. Um, but I wanted to ask you this question about, about the river. Um, I had a conversation with a gentleman who lives in Martindale, and um, he we, we had a conversation about about the river, and he says he's been there for about 13 years. But I wanted to ask you because I know y'all spend a lot of time at the river. As far as how clean the river is, do you think that the river today is as pristine as it used to be when you used to go when you were much younger? Well, when we moved there in 1972, the river was really clean. Now there's so much traffic because they had the tubers. Mm-hmm. The college had opened a tubing shop around there, so they floated all the way to the, from where they came in the city park, they came floating down, and they would come to that particular place. And I mean, there was there was just all so much, but the, the water was really clean. You could see, you know, into the, into all the, the way river down. Uh-huh. Now it's not that great because... <laughs> you can't see. So I don't know. Do you attribute that a lot to the to the rice uh, that that they're let, letting grow wild there, or or do you think that it's just just not? Because I know the elephant ears are all gone too. I remember when yeah. we would go, there was a lot of elephant ears. Those are all gone. Well, now it's too. all the construction that's coming in through Martindale. That's it's cutting off the water. We don't have those elephant ears where we used to have go out to the side of the uh, the river and the banks of the river there. And we would see all these elephant ear things that were growing along the wall. Now you don't see anything because they're, they're just like, construction has really tore everything down, you know. And the water is not as clean as it used to be, but, you know, still people go swimming Yeah, and, and the, the gentleman said the same thing. He says, I've noticed that, that there is a difference in the water from mm-hmm. when I first moved here to, mm-hmm. how it, to how I see it today. Yeah. He says it's it's not the same. So... You know, here we are doing all this construction, but not really realizing. And and I don't know, uh, since I'm not a, a, a biologist and I don't come out and I don't do anything with the river, I can't say that, yes, it's hurting or no, it's not hurting. But I know that when I look at a glass of water and it's not clear, I'm not going to drink it. So I kind of sort of feel the same way about the river, right? If I remember when I was much younger that I, that I would see um, the pristineness of the water and mm. I don't see that anymore. So I, I just, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I like to ask people that question who used to spend a lot of time at the river, what well, they think of the condition of the river compared to... Well, the to thing is, like, when the, the river, when they had that ice uh, place where they made blocks of mm-hmm. ice, well, the the water would flow from the back, yeah. and, and, of course, they would gather the uh, the water to make ice, uh, blocks of ice, and that's where they blo- uh, store the mountain. So you're talking about where Peppers is at? Uh, where or pe- Peppers used to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, but they would, of course, it goes round, it runs to the, the park where the college students mm-hmm. bathe and mm-hmm. suntan there. And, Sewell Park. Uh-huh. So, no, it's not Sewell Park. It's the college park right there. Mm-hmm. As, as you crossing that bridge, mm-hmm. right. it's right next door. Mm-hmm. That's where the college right. play and swim there and 
and they just polluted too much. <laughs> but but the water was isn't isn't as clean as it used Your to city? be. No, it was not. You go to the city park, uh, the, the water is not as clean. Mm-hmm. Where you could just sit in the edge of the water, where you would go down the stairs and you would see the the water clear as clear as you could see the. Well, fish I remember you used to see the fish. I you know. know you don't see the fish anymore. Yeah, I have um, I have a picture of that of that bank where that city park is, 1960 something. I have a picture of that. I have collected so many pictures. I don't. I well, and I, and I remember. I remember that because we used to go and see mm-hmm. uh, Don Pancho and his mom, Dona Bartola, yeah. who lived there. Yeah. And he had that little raft, and yeah. we would we would go down there. And so I I remember that. And, you know, I I think that had I not done that, because we really weren't mm-hmm. the my my dad liked to go to the river, but we didn't really go swimming. You know, we mm-hmm. would go and we would you know, watch everybody fish, or we would fish. And I remember um, your dad sometimes would carry um, the cane poles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his own fishing rods, but he would have cane poles so that yeah. when people showed up that didn't have it, he'd give us a cane pole. <laughs> and we would fish with the cane pole. And, and I remember that vividly. Yeah, he was always... Did you catch anything with the cane poles? Well, let me, let me tell you. Um, we had um, gone, and we didn't have any um, bait anymore, so um, the, the, the worms were all gone. And he said, look, when you run out of stuff, there's a trick. And he took a little piece of bread and he balled it mm-hmm. up into a ball. And he put it on the hook. And I actually caught a fish uh, with I, a piece of bread. I, I knew he was going to say that. That's, <laughs> uh, that's what I would have. <laughs> Let's take a quick okay. break. And uh, this, you are listening to Rices here on KCSM, LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas. And uh, Views Express on the show, those are the host, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM, SMTX area. We're going to be right back with you after these announcements. ¿Recuerdas la última vez que tu familia visitó el bosque? Es un lugar de maravilla e imaginación para toda la familia. Donde las historias cobran vida y están más cerca de lo que crees. ¿Listo para planear tu próxima visita? Haz que el bosque forme parte de tu historia hoy en un parque local cerca de ti o encuentra uno en descubreelbosque.org traído a ti por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council. Yes, check it out. Justin James Bridges is going to be our feature artist on the 21st of March, 7 p.m. at the Kissing Alley. Yes, this is the first of the spring season. This is a free show for all. Yes, check out Justin James Bridges' special guest, Kali Rose KB. And she is the best new artist here from the San Marcos Music Awards. Check it out, folks. This is going to be every third Thursday going through the spring. But check out the 21st of March. This is funded by the San Marcos Arts Commission. Hola. Si tiene ganas de escuchar música en español, júntense conmigo cada domingo a las 8 de la noche por Música con Ganas aquí con el tío en su radio comunidad. Compartiré con ustedes poesías, música de mi juventud, música contemporánea y ojalá música que le dé cálidos memorias. Cada domingo a las 8 de la noche aquí en su verdadero Radio Comunidad KZSM.
Musica Kinganis will be coming up next with a brand new episode. Kathy, and it shows back to you. Um, you know, we, we were continuing our conversation about, about your dad and his love for the river, and you were telling us how he used to uh, catch the crawfish mm-hmm. and how the neighbors would come and say, oh, you know, how, do, how did you catch that? And so he, he would devise things to, yeah. to, to catch things. and um, He would find gadgets to, to make himself and, and catch, catch the crawfish and dig them out. And he'd have like a round rim. And then he'd put a hook on there. Uh, I mean, he would he would put the screen on there and, and the, like the screen that you would use on the doors and stuff. And that he says, okay, here here I'm gonna I want to dig one. So he would just dig in there, pick up all these you know crawfish, and I said, Oh, Dad, what do you got there? But but y'all never y'all never ate the crawfish. Oh right? no, we didn't. So did he did he use it? Did he use it he for used bait? It for bait. Okay. <laughs> But then you you were saying on the break that you've you'd had people from Cajun come, come yeah, over people there that, and, that really like Cajun food, and they would always ask they people would, I guess somehow they found out my dad did that. But he would use that for bait. Yeah, and, and, so, and so they didn't think it it was good for bait. He says, "Hey, I like that. We eat those in in, in uh, Louisiana." He says, "These crawfish are good." So he, they would always come and ask my dad for some because my they would tell, "Okay, go. Can you catch mm-hmm. some more?" So he would go out there to the Thompson Island and he would just dig those things up. <laughs> and you would sit there and just roll your eyes like they're eating. I would. Mean, I said, "Oh my God, how can they eat that?" <laughs> but and we're we're talking about that debate. And I remember um, the first time, and I it was your dad who showed it to me. And they they call it in 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 Spanish gallinas ciegas. Yeah, it was like something they they dug out of the, right out of the out ground. Of the dirt. But I don't know I don't know what they're called in in English. But they're they're, they're round white. like that uh-huh. and they're white. They're like worms, but yeah. they're white and they're I don't know what they're they're. But they're they use that a lot as yes. bait, uh-huh. and I remember that because your dad showed that to and me one time. It attracted the fish a lot, mm-hmm. so that's why they were good. You, would, you were able to catch a lot of fish with those things. But, you know, and thinking about it now, I remember we used to see those a lot, like we used to see earthworms a lot. But I don't see those as much as I used to. I don't see earthworms anymore and these little gallina ciegas. I don't, I, so I don't, I don't know why that is. But Well, you'd have to dig, you have to go to a wet area where the worms, you have to dig in the, uh, far enough to where the worms are. And you would, you'll be able to get some, you know. Otherwise, you won't catch them on the top. If the if the ground is dry, you won't be able to get any. I'm curious, how often did you eat fish for dinner? Oh, during the Lent time, we ate it every single time of the Lent. And my dad, once in a while, where, where we didn't have too much to eat, he would go fishing, and then he would catch the fish, uh, catfish, regular fish. Perch. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, what is that, that, that eel? He would catch mm-hmm. those too, and I said, "Oh, we, at first we, I always went as, as a child. I always thought there were snakes, and I said, Dad, there's a snake, there's a snake.' And he said, "That's not a snake." <laughs> but it, it just like caught me by surprise because I didn't know anything about those things yeah. before. And then then he started telling me about things like that, and that's how I learned. And he would always go out there and you know catch some of those things and peel them off like he was getting them off, and he would chop them up and fry them in the pan. <laughs> Fried eel. And I remember, and we were having that conversation, and I asked you about the black pipe, and Rob's like, what's the black pipe? <laughs> so that's right under 35 for the kayak places, and that's how that's how I grew up. It, the way, there's two black pipes, pipes. that run yeah. under the river, and you can see the pipes. 
as, as, as you go into looking at the water, you can see these two black pipes, but they're big. It's, it's probably the water is running from there down to some other areas in town. But so that was a fishing area. That fishing, was where uh -huh. that yeah. was where it got so, deeper when it came out. Right. From so underneath. if you're if you're coming from, um, say, um, right Herbert's, where, the, where right. the baseball field is. Yeah. So if you come from Herbert's and you take that right where mm -hmm. the city has their um, nature plant place, right. and then you used to take that right to go under, it's that area right mm -hmm. there. And so I, I remember sometimes on on Sundays that uh, my dad would say, "Well, let's go look, you know, uh, for Uncle Ben." And we would start, um, we'd leave our house and we'd drive to Riley's mm -hmm. and we'd stop at Riley's and then we'd go to Martindale. <laughs> and then from Martindale, if y'all weren't there or your dad wasn't there, then we would go to um, Five Mile Down. Yeah. So wait, wait a minute, you would start at Riley's? Yes. Why would you start at Riley's? Because from Riley's, we were going to go to Martindale. So we would okay. take the back road. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of yeah. curious because Riley's is not a fishing spot. Right. Well, we would, well that's a fishing spot for beer. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I, I just I wanted to kind of no. underscore that a minute that that but was no, but the we starting would, we point. Would, we would stop there and we'd all go in and my dad would pick and and it's funny because my dad would pick up a pickled eggs mm -hmm. and he'd get some of those firecracker sausages or, or, or pig's and a pig's feet, feet and um, we'd get some sodas he'd get a beer and Chips. Fritos and we all the kids would be sitting in the back seat my mom and dad in the front and then we would ride up to Martindale. Yeah. And uh, off of 621, but we'd come the back way. But do you remember that black panel truck, truck that my dad had? Mm -hmm. It didn't have a, one of the fenders in the back, mm -hmm. didn't it? Right. And so everybody, all the kids would just get in there and just bounce around in the panel truck. And we would take us all the way to, to Canyon Lake, and we would be out there just bouncing around in that panel truck. And it was so funny. He would take us out swimming, or he would go fishing where the, the deepest water was. And we would be swimming on the low area, and he would be fishing in the deeper area so it but it was it was like our recreation thing that we did and it was free Sundays. you know yeah. because it and didn't cost you didn't anything. have to pay yeah. and if you caught fish well that was the bonus yeah. and true. so then we we'd come down if they weren't there in martindale we'd come down um to uh what is like polka la polka 21 yeah we take 21 out and then we take a left on 150 to go to five mile dam <laughs> and so we so you know for for young people that are listening in this is before you had phones this is before <laughs> you had you know pagers or any other way this is how we would find people is that we knew your your habits yeah. mm -hmm. and your your the where you would normally be found yeah, yeah. or where people and, always and, hung around and yeah. we would make another stop either at hilltop or at garcia's mm -hmm. and then we would take that left to go into kyle or we would go all the way to uh devil's backbone mm -hmm. and you'd oh, go wow. out there yeah. That would take you out to Canyon Lake. Yeah, the back way going yeah. up there. And, and if he wasn't, if they weren't at Five Mile Dam, then we'd come all the way down Stagecoach and go mm. to City Park, right across from the Paulina Espino. So sometimes right. we, mm -hmm. they'd be sitting there on, in their lawn chairs with their fishing poles. <laughs> and if he wasn't there, then we'd take that road to go to the Black Pipe. Mm. And if they weren't there, then we'd go to Thompson's Island. Yeah. And we'd, we'd find him at one of those areas. And one of the <laughs> Yes, yeah, so and that we was like a whole to, day for us. But that was that was the Sunday afternoon, yeah. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was a for us. It was a recreation time sure. because we we just drove. The, Can you see a beautiful day with today, yeah. going on and and doing that? Uh, yeah, as beautiful as it was today, going around and doing. See, that. but young kids don't think it, it's beautiful anymore. But yeah. we now that we're losing a lot of our animals out in the hill country, and. It's not as fun as it used to be when we drive out there. We see the deer, the armadillos, and and other kind of animals out Road there. Roadrunners, possums, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, and and my uh, I understood that that your grandmother Salustiana was very industrious. She was very hardworking, mm-hmm. and um, I believe she liked to cook the armadillo. Yes, she always was barefooted. Oh. I don't know how she did it, but she was always barefooted <laughs> when she went to pick to pick those blocks. Of, I mean, those limbs of, of wood and everything. She she'd go out and she'd cut uh-huh. cedar, uh-huh. and she'd sell cedar to make a living all the time. And I couldn't understand that for a woman her age to be barefooted. But I guess her feet were already so hard from being wow. out in, in the field. Or, or so anything. she would go barefoot out mm-hmm. and cut cedar. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for folks who don't realize, cedar does not grow in where it is nice, soft, black mm-hmm. dirt. Okay, we are talking karst, and we're talking stuff that cuts your feet up. Yeah. Oh, man. Even where the cactus, too. Yes. Of course, I had an aunt that... She loved to pick those cactus. <laughs> well, she loved to fish too. I would see her at the river yeah, with her dad. And she loved those cactus. She'd go pick out there. She would clean them, and you'd oh look at her fingers. She had so many spinders on her fingers, but she'd still be cleaning them. But she sustained herself that way too because she yeah. would sell them. Yeah. She'd go out. She'd get an. I, I remember she would come to my mom's house and she'd she'd say to my mom she liked going over to Stagecoach Road, mm-hmm. where Hammer Smith lived. Yeah. Or up on Westover, right. or before yeah. they built all those houses, right. yeah. and and she would stop by my mom's and she would say, "I'm gonna be here, and if I'm not here in an hour, send somebody to come look for me." <laughs> and uh, my mother would send me outside, and I would uh, put a cover on the table, newspaper, yeah. and I'd bring cold water out, and then she'd show up with her cactus, and my mother by that time would be refrying beans, <laughs> and um, making tortillas. And then she would show up to the house with her um, cactus, and they would dip them in the cold water, and, and then they would clean. try to clean them. And, and cook them. <laughs> and, of course, I'm, you, you're sitting there, and she has a bunch of knowledge, and she's telling you all different kinds of stories, things that you want to hear and things you don't want to hear. But, you know, they're, they're sharpening. And halfway through, then my mom would go back inside, and she'd take some nopales, and she'd go and she'd make um, nopales with eggs and onion and tomato. Mm-hmm. And then she <laughs> she would stay outside and finish, mm-hmm. and then she would cut them up and bag them, mm-hmm. and then she would say she was going to go sell them to Tommy Cuevas, and he mm-hmm. would buy all this stuff from yeah. her, and then he would they know a lot, of sp- a lot of Spanish people and, would buy and them. sell it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was before you either had to go out and pick your own cactus, or you'd go to Tommy <laughs> Cuevas and buy it because the stores didn't sell that at no. that time. <laughs> and it's unusual how they're starting to sell them in jars and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're almost out of time, and I want to thank you for coming and talking to us. And um, you're going to be back, so I'm looking. I'm looking especially forward to having that conversation about HEB. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, you've been listening to Rices here on KZSM LPFM. We're going to be uh, having music and Ganas will be up uh, right after this. Thank you for tuning in tonight. <laughs> Thank you.